So I don't if you weren't here last week, maybe um, you, you didn't didn't know this, but we you know we finished the book of Ephesians, and um, typically we would finish and, and move on to something. But I I thought I would pick a few things or areas where we might uh, better apply uh, the text or think through application. And so uh, last week we looked at Ephesians and parenting, and this week we're looking at Ephesians and change. That's kind of the the focus this week. If you did not get the study guide, I would encourage you to uh, look at that. It might help you just kind of work through uh, something and give you some, somewhat of a, a, a way to work through and, and look at your um, spiritual life and where you are uh, step by step kind of. And, and uh, it, it, I think it would help you in that way. So um, if you were to talk to some, if somebody was to ask you, um, uh, did you ever make goals at the first of every year? Most of you would say either I have at some point, maybe I don't do it now, get too depressed about it because I write resolutions and, or whatever, a New Year's resolution, and I never really follow through. Uh, some of you maybe legitimately do that, and you know that writing it down is kind of uh, a part of the battle, you know, like to get started, just to, to write down what you want uh, to do. Um, for some of you, you might say, I'm good at making resolutions. I just don't ever get around to getting to doing them. You know, they're, they're, they're good, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't really work at that very long. Um, when I think about that, I I always like in my mind, I always go back to, uh, which we've looked at it before, uh, Jonathan Edwards first resolution. And he says, Resolve that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my life without any consideration of the time, whether now or never so many myriads of ages hence. Resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Resolve to do this whatever difficulties I meet with, how many and how great soever. And so what is he saying? He's saying he has resolved to live a life to the glory of God, to the good of humanity, and for his own personal good. He knows that those work out together. That's why God could say, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Love your neighbor as yourself. And you could say, if I live by that ethic, it will be a blessing for me. It will bless me. If I live by the ethic of I'm not going to think about God and I'm not going to think about others, I'm going to live for me. It it never works like that. You weren't designed for that. For you to sit around like selfishly thinking about yourself all the time, it will not produce joy. It never does. It, It never has. It's just you weren't made for that. And so um, Christians should be constantly thinking about ways that they could become better instruments in the Lord's hands. That would be the way I would kind of say that or think about that. Just that would be the longing. Because if he designed us for uh, purposes, Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. If that's what he made us for, then then the, the, the more we strive towards that, uh, the better. Like, it's, it's a good longing to want to move in that direction. 
A number of years ago, I listened to some lectures by a guy named John Hanna, and he was talking about sanctification. And he said, one of the things he always says to people when they say, I really want to get my life, you know, on track or move in a good direction or honor the Lord more fully this year, more than ever before, he encourages them to choose one area to pursue. Because even we were in discussion this morning, and, and when, you, when people are talking about it, they'll say, <clears throat> they may point out an area, but it's typically fairly broad. Like, I want to, I mean, to be an example, be like, I want to love my children in a better way. Love my wife in a better way this year. <clears throat> the question is, is maybe, like, what would that look like? Spend some time fleshing that out. What would that look like? I mean, and maybe narrow the focus a little bit. I think about it like if you were studying a discipline, and let's say that I pick something like, I want to learn more about God this year. Theology. And I would say, what, help me figure out, like, what does that mean? Well, I want to learn something about the love of God. Okay, can you go a little further? Well, I want to understand the love of God for His people in the church. Can you kind of drill that down a little bit? You see, each time as I take another step, I, I get, it makes more sense. In the same way, I think with a goal of Christ-likeness or holiness, I want to pursue that, I want to live a godly life, whatever you want to say, you, you have to kind of zoom in on an area. And the way that um, John Hanna talked about it, he's like, it's like a field. And, and a field that has uh, like uh, thorns and thistles, let's say. And it's been overran. It's almost like someone came in, they cut all the trees down, and they did not replant that land. And when they failed to replant it, it grew up with all this just a variety of junk in there. And, and it's just a mess. And it will never become anything. It's a mess. And so... What you do is you say, okay, if I was going to attack this acre this year, I have a 400-acre track, I'm going to go after this acre, I'm going to clean that up and clear that up. What would that look like? And so I think it's important when we're thinking about things to really kind of zoom in. When we're saying, I want to change, you have to say, how do you want to change? And and you've got to think in terms of how you might do that. Now, um, Another thing just kind of comes to my mind in that regard is like, even but sometimes like you kind of say, I'm working out the plan. It's not all clear to me yet. But what's the next step? Like, what is the next step? What can I do on Monday morning to get started? That would be, if I say I want to change, what's, what can I do on Monday morning to get started? Just something I help is kind of a helpful uh, thing for us. Now, I, I was going to mention just a, a, an example because in Ephesians, it's about battle, a battleground. Paul paints a picture of putting on the armor of God, and he's like, if you're going, or he's calling us to put on the armor of God. He's using imagery of a battle. And you say, how can I prepare for that? I need to get ready for that. And um, I, a number of years back, my older brother said, we need to do some uh, a duck camp where we would go to a place and we'll all meet there, and I'm kind of like this, but when I'm 
my first reaction is, of course, is like, okay, well, let me sit down and I made a list of everything that an individual would need to bring and that we need to bring corporately for duck camp. You're like, oh my goodness, I hate people. I would like lay that, and then I'm thinking like, and in 2019, we'll refine that. I'm taking the list with me, and I'm going to add anything we miss, so that in 2020, it's all good, right? And I, we can execute this flawlessly, right? That, that would be in my kind of way of thinking about something. But anyway, you have all these things. If we were to have some kind of, uh, we were going to go camping out, you would have all of these things that we needed corporately, and depending on what we were doing, there would be different things that we had to bring with us. Uh, duck hunting is, for some people, they think of it as spiritual, or not spiritual warfare, but uh, wing warfare, let's say. No, uh, but, they, but they would think, like, I've got to have a gun, and I've got to have shells, and I've got to have waders, and I've got to have a boat, and I've got to have a face mask, and I have to have a, do you see... And they have all these things, and everybody has to work together and put it all together to execute it. And I, I would say, if you're thinking spiritually speaking, and you say, I need to attack this area, but I'm not attacking it alone. I'm not, I, I don't, the Christian life is not you on an island fixing yourself. It's, it's, it's moving in a direction Trusting God's power at work, the triune God working on your behalf, knowing that the way he works to help you become what he wants you to be is not for you to just kind of, again, live by yourself, but to live within a community called the church and to move forward together towards that end or that goal. So I say all that, say Ephesians and change. If you say, I need to change in this area, I don't think there's some things that Paul said in Ephesians that I don't seem to really live out, walk in, then I need to kind of zoom in and say, what, what is the one thing today or for the next month or for the next year, whatever you want to do it, for the next quarter that I want to develop? And then how can the resources that God in Christ has by the Spirit, however you want to lay all that out, how, how do the resources that are available, not just to me, but to us, help me get to that place? Because I want the body to be healthy. And when I'm unhealthy, and listen to this, when you're unhealthy, you're affecting not just you, and not just your family, but the body. And so, how can we as a body make a list of what needs to be done and work together to accomplish it? That's kind of the idea that runs through my head when you're trying to think about change. I think one of the things, too, just from the standpoint of just living life, because of the nature of probably where we live, sometimes um, I've heard people talk about like it's like living in a fog. And we don't really realize that there is a spiritual battle. You think it's all earthly, that you can fix it with earthly means. Uh, that's all you need. And you don't realize there is this 
when the fog is lifted, maybe through trouble, you really see that there is a spiritual battle going on and that you need together to run with the church towards the things that would bring honor and glory to God. So I'm going to give you a list of questions that I think might help you if you're just saying, "I I don't even have anything to work on. And I'll be like, I'm sure you don't. Like, there, some of you I've met thought, this is perfection. Like, I mean, I just, you know. But, so here, here might be some things to help you, right? What lie am I believing right now? And what I mean by that is, like, you read something in Ephesians and you say, not sure that, I mean, I might kind of believe that, but I don't seem to live that out. So what lie am I believing and what corresponding truth do I need to be believing? So if there's something, and we'll talk about how that could shake out in your life. But what lie might I be believing? What's the corresponding truth that I need to be believing? What character trait or action do I need to eliminate? And what scriptural character trait or action would best replace it? So you say, I mean all the time. Say, Okay, let's work on being nice, right? So that would be an example. I mean, that's, there you go. Is that cool? Or I'm hateful. Instead, I want to be kind. Or run people down. Instead, I want to build them up. Right? Okay. Now, what particular relationship in my life is, is, you could say, is in a state of struggling? How am I contributing to the issue? How can I be an instrument of grace in this relationship? It's easy enough to just kind of say, is there an area, place where I'm like, I wish I I was developing that more. Another thing, just say like, where does the power come to address this issue? I, I just think we need to stop a lot of times just say, hold on just a second. Is God given, really, truly given resources for this? Because I think practically sometimes we say no, or we just say, that's just the way I'm, I am. Be like, hold on, hold on. Is God given you power and resources to do so? If so, just write them down. Another thing would be, what skills do I need to hone to get better at whatever that is? Like, if I, need to, if I have a skill I need to kind of develop, let me do that. Let me think about that. Here's a good one. Do I know anyone in the church that appears to be further along in this area? If you thought of yourself as a green belt, do I know a brown belt? Is that cool? Maybe some of y'all never took karate, but you know, okay. So you're looking for someone in that way so that they can kind of coach me up. In that area, maybe. And then lastly, what is the next step I need to take? Just next step. I don't want ten steps, I want one. What's the next step? I think I could, boom, I could take that, be a short win, short, quick kind of win, and like go there. All right? 
So I, I just, again, we're trying to think about change. We are looking at Ephesians. Ephesians is about spiritual warfare. Ephesians is about getting, the, getting prepared and executing well. Ephesians is about you fighting not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers in the heavenly places. And it is about arming you up so that you are prepared for battle, but not to run at the, this thing alone, but to do so corporately. You say, I don't think I need the church. Now, here's what I'd say to you. You are lying to yourself. You, are, you have a totally, a radically unbiblical view of what it means to be a Christian. That, that's clear enough in the Scripture, in Ephesians, we've seen it. But when we need that, then we say, okay, how can I move forward? How can I move forward? I, I see the area, I zoom in on it, I identify it, and then I say, okay, how can I move forward? Okay, so I'm going to use an example that would be close to not only my heart, but other people's hearts in the discussion group that I was just in. So let's kind of pick an area. So I could write down, for example, I fear that I'm not prepared for the future. That would be an example. Okay? What is that? I think it's a belief. I believe that I'm not prepared for the future. That, that would be a belief in my mind. Is it true or is it a lie? Depends on what we're talking about, of course. But if it were spiritually speaking, is that a truth or is that a lie? We have to think about that. So, depending on where I was, um, I, I might say, okay, so if I'm saying, okay, this is a lie that I'm believing about it, I could say, deep down, I believe that God will not take care of me. Or I fear that God will leave me or forsake me. Deep down. I fear that I am not going to be prepared for something I have to face, and it all depends on me. Or, I could say something like this, the fear is tied to, I don't want to look foolish. Or, I fear looking weak and vulnerable. I've got to search out in my heart, where is that fear? What, what is it? What's crying out? What am I longing for, trying to kind of... Fix and address. Now, this is another question that as I'm working through that, I've ident- we, we looked at some stuff, said let's identify issue. We deal with it. We say, okay, we'll deal with the issue of fear of not being prepared for the future. And then we ask, is it a belief? Yes, it's a belief. Is it a wrong belief? Well, if it's this kind of belief, it is a wrong belief. I'm believing in a lie and not trusting God. When does this lie become evident in your life? That might be a good question. Maybe it is this. When I look at my bank account, it comforts me too much or it frightens me too much. Comforting in that, oh, my fear is satisfied. I'm going to be okay. Or frightened because there's nothing in there. If my account is getting low, I'm afraid that I will not be able to pay my bills. Or when it's too high, I find too much comfort and joy in it. 
But either way, I'm saying like there's this fear that's driving me. I'm running back to that thing to be my kind of false savior, you could say. Now, someone else might say, I, I deal with fear. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with financial things. I fear people. <clears throat> I fear the future interactions that I might have with people. I'm afraid of what someone might say or what I might say when I'm with someone new. I'm afraid of silence. I'm afraid of doing something that might make me look foolish. I'm afraid to speak to somebody, to look them in the eye. I'm afraid of that because that makes me so vulnerable that I just, it, it like, it's, it's unbelievable. I shudder before they might see me for who I really am. I'm afraid. Is that a false belief? If you were to say, who are you? In light of Ephesians, who are you? Then you have to stop and consider what is truly, uh, what, what has God said about you? Not what you say about you, but what does God say? Okay, so, how do you fight against this fear? Because again, we're saying, in Ephesians, you're saying, Jared, good night. In Ephesians, this is it. We're talking about Ephesians and change. We are talking about the fact that everybody, everybody believing and unbelieving in the world thinks that they need to work on things. We're saying that you've got to identify the thing. We find the thing and we say, okay, let's just look at a belief. We decide, okay, what's the belief or false belief? What's the lie that I'm believing that I've been believing for 20 years? And then I say, I've... I want to rid myself of it. I have to ask myself, how do you fight fear? Well, I have to figure out, what am I afraid of? And then I have to say, how do I fight against that? Because God wants me to put on the whole armor of God that I might stand firm against the schemes of Satan and fears dominated me too long. I don't want to live in fear. It's an enemy to my faith. It is destroying my ability to reach out to people. It's destroying my ability to do things, to move forward in areas where I feel like there's not enough resources to go there. How do I deal with that? How do I fight against fear? I think one of the things you could say is I fight against fear with faith. I need to grow in faith. It would be the replacement. I need to understand who God is. I need to understand what His promises are. And I need to walk in light of that. If it is something like, I'm afraid of people because I'm afraid they'll see me for who I am. I'm afraid they'll make fun of me. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. You would say, hold on just a second. Those fears. Is that true about you? Well, I mean... What beliefs would I rehearse if I was trying to address fear? What, what beliefs, or when I have to address it? Let me say it that way. When I have to war against that, what beliefs do I rehearse that, are, that would help me? In Ephesians chapter 1, one, one way would be something like this. Before the foundation of the world... God chose me to be holy. 
Another might be this in Ephesians chapter 1. God the Father has predestined me to be His child. Am I bankrupt? I mean, am I really at that place? Let let me ask you this. Am I spiritually bankrupt? Really? I mean, if before the foundation chose to do something, is he not going to do that? Is he not going to do that? If God said, I've chosen to make you holy, is he not going to do that? Well, if I get in the... God chose from before the foundation of the world to make you holy, and you're getting in the way of that? Really? In light of His choosing of that, He sends His Son to come to this earth and you're getting in the way of that. Other people are getting in the way of that. When God chooses to do something, it always takes place. He's chosen to do it. He's predestined to bring you into His family as His child adopted in. With all the rights and privileges of a son. He sent his son to redeem you. He sent his son to secure an inheritance for you. Is he not going to do that? Has he not proven? If you believe the gospel that Jesus came and lived and died and, and rose again. You're saying, I believe that God was faithful to the promise that he made. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of the future. I'm afraid of the present. And then you go to Ephesians 1 again. And it says, God the Spirit has sealed you. What does that mean? What if I lose the seal? He sealed you. He sealed you. He stamped you. He says... I'm giving you a down payment of a a security. I'm helping you understand. You have been sealed. What am I afraid of there? Why, Why would I ever be afraid? He has not left me here to just say, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to happen. That's just not true. He says, I have sealed you by the Spirit. Another one, just because, again, just when you're thinking of, or just, we, we can stop there just for a moment, and you say, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Those things have come. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have this as a present possession. What, what am I afraid of? Why do I fear man? Why do I fear like the, the inability to kind of take care of myself. I recognize I cannot take care of myself. I can't fix every problem. But I have to, to run to realities that God has promised to me. Individually and to the church corporately. I'm going to get, I don't have time. I'm just going to give you a couple of others like, 
in chapters 2, 11 through 22, we see that God has given us access to Him. That we presently are in His presence where we can come before Him. Not only that, in, in chapter 4 we see, and in the end of chapter 2, God's placed us within a new society that runs alongside us in this process. So, it, it's again, if I'm trying to fight, if you say, I, I'm going to war, I've got to prepare for a battle. I know that fear is always lurking. I know that there's always going to be things where I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that. This whole shield of faith idea is that you would run back to the truth and you would firm that up in your heart. I, I would just kind of focus, let's zoom in a little bit more on someone that's afraid or afraid of their financial future, let's say something like that. For that person, again, we're just saying like as they're working through Maybe that kind of fear. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may, he may have something to share with anyone in need. I would just say to you, a, a lot of things just practically would just be to like, one, uh, it's important that Ephesians kind of laid this out, like there's this security, and then there's this kind of call to say, walk in that, and that would mean like, let's say, go get a job. And then work hard in that job to, to not only secure for yourself, but also to go and help others in need. And so if it was somebody that was like finding too much comfort in what they had and possessed, maybe they need to give more. And someone who is just uh, struggling along the way, just the, the, the process of working and trusting the Lord and, and being diligent in those things that he called you to do, you do that and then you be generous. And, and in that process, you just kind of say, okay, God's working. He's accomplishing things. I can trust him. I do not have to fear. I can trust that he's with me. He's for me. And then I'm prayerfully saying, Lord, give me adequate work to do the things that you have called me to do. For somebody who is afraid of meeting or engaging other people or investing, that kind of deal, if they want to go to war, I would say, listen, you want to go to war against that? One, you have to say your identity is not tied in what other people think about you. It's what God thinks about you. Um, and so you have to kind of consider a number of things. One is in the church, God has called you to serve it. You have to serve the church. And so you can do that behind the scenes, certainly. But, but you've got to engage with people to serve adequately, too. God has given you works to do on this, in this earth and on this earth. And you have to find ways to employ those gifts that God has given to bless other people. Three, Ephesians 4.29 says, give grace to those who hear. That means that we have to interact with people. We have to talk to people. So that you have to say, I want to make a practice of giving grace to those who hear me. It's a world filled with darkness. I want to be a blessing. I know that words speak blessing over people. It's a blessing to hear from someone encouraging uh, other people. Fourth, there's a lost world. And Paul said, pray that I'll have boldness to go and speak. That's what we do. With the, the way you present the gospel is you speak words to them. And all of those things say, listen... I've got to fight against the tendency to fear man. And the way I'm going to go to war against that and to, have the, you know, to fight against those fears is I've got to walk by faith. 
And the way I'm going to walk by faith is I'm going to step by step realize that God has called me to serve people, that God has called me to do works that, that, that need to be done, and I'll have to interact with people, that God has called me to give grace to people that I speak to instead of destroy them, and so I have to share some of my life, some of my words to bless people, that God has called us to present the gospel, and all those things are helping you move forward. So you, you might make a list of some of the things that you need to do regularly. I think the last couple of things would be when I am thinking about how to fight against the stuff that kind of is warring against me, I could look at other passages, right? That God tells me about so many different things, even like this week's fighter verse that gives me a lot of comfort and confidence that I do not need to fear, but that I can trust God. All the way through, step by step. And then I would just say, maybe you have to put some of that to memory. You have to say, okay, I'm going to put off fear and put on faith. And so I need to memorize passages. I need to pray them. I need to meditate on them. I need to share them with others. I need to learn how to quote that back to myself whenever fear begins to grip my heart. I need to take steps towards it. Step by step, day by day. And as I said earlier, you have to kind of consider who could help you in the church fight that tendency. Who has told you before, I've been afraid of this. I was frightened about this. I was scared of this. We've been through this. We've walked through the valley of the shadow of death in this area. And they can come alongside you and cheer you on. That they can pick you up and help you suit back up and move you forward. There are people that have been down the road before that you're on and you're saying, hey, listen, I need help. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to change in this area and I need you to come alongside me and war with me. Go to war with me. I think of it sometimes like this. It's almost as if we are in... Uh, the constant state of battle, we're going in and out, in and out, in and out. And so we need people to come alongside with us and say, oh, I've got to bandage this guy up. Oh, I'm going to have to lift him up and carry him for a little while. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help him move forward because we're fighting together for the sake of uh, the gospel, for the good of the church, to the glory of God, to the good of humanity. And we are doing so as a company of people. I think another thing for, for our family that we try to do is to sing together regularly. And I would just say, like, what songs of faith do I need to sing? I mean, one song that always comes to my mind is, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Do I need to commit that to memory? Do I need to play that on my way to wherever? Do I need to try to sing it by myself in the car on my way to work? How do I do that to help myself stay in that frame of mind? That kind of focus. Could I ask one of these guys to say, can we do this song together? I want to hear the saints sing that song. That would inspire and encourage and move me forward. Another thing, just who would pray with you in that regard? When's the last time you asked somebody, pray with me in this, in this area? Pray with me here. I need prayer right here. This is what I'm going after. I've got a battle plan. I don't know if it's completely right, but I need to do this. I need you to run with me in this regard. What kind of prayers should you pray or should they pray? Maybe you take the book of Ephesians. You say there's two prayers. One's about knowledge. One's about practice. 
primarily. And let me just understand that. I have to understand the truth. I have to put on the truth. I have to understand the truth, put on the truth. And so I pray with them, have them pray for me. I write out prayers, and I just keep moving forward. Last thing I would say is, like, how can you regularly share how you're fighting fear and relying on God with somebody else? It's just, it, can you share that with your wife? Can you share that with your children? Can you share that with a coworker? Can you share that with somebody here at the church? Can you consistently talk about that? Yes, you can and you should. Okay. Here's the conclusion. You ready? I have been coaching a basketball team. Certainly, it was going to be like, why is he talking about this? He's too crazy. And Jacob Duke's assistant coach. But uh, we, uh, he's, uh, I'm sure he thinks I'm half crazy. But one of the things that I have, um, I am really competitive. I try to like press that down lots of times. But my tendency is towards being really competitive. And, um, and so in a way, I mean, when I think about it, it doesn't really matter what it is, like even internally, like whether anybody knows it or not, if I'm working on something and I think, okay, it's a basketball team, I could become so driven to understand like everything about it, to understand the best way to coach it to understand the resources they need, the words that I'm going to say, every step of the way, exactly how we're going to do practice to maximize the time. Like, I have a tendency to do that. It's just my natural kind of, like, I go crazy over something. Not that I'll think about basketball in two months, but while the time is going, like, I'm so focused on it. I have to, like, basically after a game, write down everything and say, okay, i got to leave that. And then I'll pick it back up and write it down. They'll be like, okay. But I tell you that, to say there is a level of intensity when you believe that you are at war. Much deeper intensity than a basketball game. When you really believe I'm at war and that lives are on the line and, and that like spiritual lives are on the line. And, and if you really believe that, then you start thinking in terms of what resources do I need to keep on the front lines? What, what words do I need to say? How do I need to speak that and say that to them? What do I need to pray for them today? How do I need to arm them better? What thing is hindering them from getting to the front lines and really going to work? What is hindering this group from defeating the enemy? What is it? And if whatever that is, I've got to go after it. Because if we don't get that right, like we are hindering progress. And the progress that we're moving towards is much greater than anything else in your life. No financial goal, no educational goal, no business goal, all that stuff. Secondarily to the fact that we are pushing forward into the darkness as lights into the world. And just like you get like that about certain things, you're probably like me, at different times you can focus in on something and you you understand that you've got to break it all down. You've got to think that way spiritually. Because it's much more... The intensity should be there because it's of much 
greater weight and value. And it's not just for you that you have to think about it. You're thinking about his body. And you're longing to see it perform at a level, not perform in the sense that, oh, God will love us. It's, it's, you're longing to see them do that because you're saying, listen, God has provided everything for you. You're secure in him. Now go out there. You have nothing to fear. Go. You're longing to see it move in that direction. You say, I'm not longing for that then you're, something's going wrong with you spiritually. And something's going wrong with me when I'm saying I'm not longing to see that. So I would encourage you when you consider this and you consider your life and you consider the preparation that you go to to get things right and to get them ordered and to get them focused and to get it going in the right direction, whatever it takes to do that when it comes to spiritual things, if we say, yeah, something's not right. So by God's grace, we should prayerfully say, Lord, let us do that. And let us do it um, with a a heart overflowing with gratitude and joy and the strength that you provide. Let us run the race in in a strong way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of the gospel, that we are secure, that we have hope, that we have confidence, that we have a future that we have nothing to fear, that we, we have everything for a life of godliness that's given to us. We pray, Lord, that we as your church would see that and savor the opportunity to serve you. We pray we would do it with intensity. We pray that we would challenge one another and encourage one another and press on one another to keep moving forward so that we can bring glory to you, that we might benefit the world and benefit one another, and that we um, may look at the end of our lives and say, I don't, I don't regret the things that I gave in service to my King and Savior. In Christ's name, amen.